Have you ever been lonely? It's a real dark feeling, I'm not gonna lie. I think we can go deeper into this feeling. You might find that it's slightly heavenly. This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Williams. felt alone. There are lots of people around. Maybe you're even talking to a whole lot of people, but it doesn't matter. Have you ever had a free day to go do something fun? And maybe you didn't have anyone to hit up, anyone to reach out to. Whatever prompted you to feel lonely, I have some encouragement for you. You're not alone when you feel alone. Loneliness is a type of homesickness if you think about it on a deep level. How do you cure loneliness? Having true friends and family. Having something creative and life-giving to do. Being known and loved. Affirmed and valued. We want community, to, to put it simply. We want, yeah, community I guess is the best word for that. Loneliness is a type of homesickness for heaven. I'm going to repeat that again because I think it's important. Loneliness is a type of homesickness for heaven. God can provide all of those things that we need, the stuff that I mentioned before, you know, being known and loved, being affirmed and valued. Loneliness is our warning sign on the dashboard of our soul, thinking about a car. So it's that warning sign that pops up being like, oh, you need to, I don't know, change the oil, change the, you know, fix the tire pressure, you know, put some air in your tires, whatever it might be. Uh, Any of the signs that'll pop up. That's what loneliness is. It's that warning sign that you don't need to get too comfortable here on earth. I don't need to get too comfortable When you're lonely, use that time to lean in to a deeper worship with God. Start dreaming about heaven. Read about it in the Bible. Read those last few chapters in Revelation. You know, speaking of which, I think Randy Alcorn wrote a great book on heaven. I might not always, like, agree with everything that's said, but I think it's pretty good. Um, You know, just in my humble opinion. And when I say read about heaven and dream about heaven, I'm not saying to live in some sort of fantasy escapism world. Like, man, if I just have utopia, I'll be happy. But read about it with the perspective of God creating this world. He's going to recreate it. It'll be the truest fullest form of our world where we are all we are meant to be and we love each other and we live in freedom and so uh you know we you think about like slavery images and setting the captive free that's gonna be us when we leave the shackles of sin behind we're going to be through what jesus christ did on the cross and through that sanctification process That's going to be heaven for us. It's God's kingdom on earth. Not some fantasy world. Not some escapism. But start thinking about heaven as it relates to what God is doing here on earth as well. So one thing, one of the things I commonly lament on here, in the U.S. particularly, is the fact that we love this life too much. 
as Christians and as a culture in general, we try to amuse ourselves to death, and it drives me crazy. And buy things we don't need, and we make friends who aren't good for us, and we waste our time trying not to think about our eternal future. We don't talk about how our best life is the life to come. It might help many of us. So let's think about it from a different perspective. Think about all the elderly people out there who have no family that visits them anymore. Think about all the children in foster care that no one wants. If you want to view things medically, doctors will describe loneliness as a pandemic. I'm sorry to use that word because it's so loaded now, but uh, it's a pandemic and a huge health risk in this country. Loneliness destroys the body and the mind, and 50% of Americans are lonely. But what if we changed our lens? What if we looked at things differently? I'm not saying that loneliness is a good thing or that we should try to be lonely. But what if during those times when we are lonely, we use it for good? What about if, if we think about the community that God has within himself in the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the love and the relationality that's built in within the Trinity? What if we think about the fact that God has given us a church community even if our earthly families are unavailable for various reasons. What about if we dream about heaven and the life to come? Let's think about the elderly and the orphans and those who are hurting. And let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth. Jesus Christ, come back. We want you and we need you so that you can recreate the earth as you see fit. We can choose to be miserable when we're lonely, or we can choose to grow as people, work on ourselves by the grace of God, and grow closer to God. So that's kind of my thought for today. I'm going to repeat it. Loneliness is a type of homesickness for heaven. And so, yeah, I'd love to know what you think about it. If you want to let me know, hit me up. Uh, We are on social media, so let me know what you think. But anyways, we are going to roll into our devotional for today, which comes from Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read, we'll talk about it for a little bit, and then uh, we'll head on out from there. So yeah, Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone into whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer said, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. 
I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman at Boaz, woman of Boaz, to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Amen. All right, so we see several things here. One, in God's providence, he led Ruth to work in a field uh, in a field that was owned by a guardian redeemer. And all that means in that society is you're, you're closer of kin, you're within a, a similar or the same clan, and so there, there's kinship there. One of his roles as a guardian redeemer is to kind of take care of Ruth, uh, to take care of, by extension, I guess, Naomi as well, because in those days, you didn't necessarily have a whole lot of welfare programs, and you didn't have the Salvation Army, but but within that culture, you still had means of protection, means of being provided for that might not be the way we think of it today, but the whole guardian redeemer setup was so that family could take care of each other. Those in the same clan, the same tribe could, could help take care of one another, those who are hurting, those who are in a tough spot like an orphan or a widow. And so you'll find some solutions for people who are in a tough spot. 
So that's one thing. It's, it's a unique situation. I also like how there's kind of a community solution to someone who is hurting. So uh, in Israel, if you were a farmer, you were often instructed to leave behind like the corners or the edges of your field for the poor so that they could come along and they wouldn't starve. And so it was nothing that would like necessarily make a person rich, but uh, it was enough to provide for them to keep them going. So I like that community solution for uh, people who are poor. Another thing I'd like to observe is how God provides through the kindness and wisdom of Boaz. And, and this is really the way we should be, right? So through Jesus Christ working in our hearts, we look around and we're like, how can we serve? What can we do? And so I think this story is a good illustration of how God provides. And uh, through Jesus Christ, we're supposed to share the love of Christ with those around us. And sometimes that means handing out some food. Sometimes that means, I think, above all, sharing the gospel. So yeah, friends, that's all I had for today. I hope you go out this weekend and you're encouraged, and I hope God blesses you. I'm going to pray, and then we'll sign off. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given us. Help us to look out for those around us and to love others the way that you love us. And so in that way, we honor you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's all for today. I'm going to sign off. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.